Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. Hello and welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart women who love dumb stuff. And hello, Zara, to our new jingle. Please do not end up on any Miller's ads. Or McDonald's. And if it does end up on those ads, please do not tell us. We can't bear the pain of finding another one. This is it. You are joined, as always, by Melbourne journalist Michelle Andrews. That would be me. And Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello. Hello. Coming up on today's show, one of the biggest YouTube stars has come out as transgender. Plus, what the actual fuck happened to the royal family while we were away? And how do we feel about Megxit? Then, some thoughts on influencers, Instagram brands and public shaming. But first, Zara, how the hell was your week? How was your new year? How was your break? It was wonderful. (laughs) Imagine if I came back and said it was terrible. (laughs) No, look, it was a great break. It was obviously shrouded in a lot of tough news that was around about the bushfires. I think... It was a weird time for everybody, whether you were connected directly to the bushfires or not. I don't think there were many people who were sitting around feeling stoked about the time. I don't think there's a single Australian who is unscathed by what happened. Yeah, and I don't think that you feel like you want to enjoy the time off. Like, it was a wonderful break. My best friend was down from London, so it was amazing to spend time together. Mm. But I do think that there was this strange and overwhelming sense of guilt for people who wanted to do things but weren't entirely sure how. That said, I do feel like people pulled together in in a way that meant everybody did contribute in some way, shape or form. Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting. We were in Perth this week and on the plane back, it was so funny. I was looking out the window and in Perth, it was perfect blue skies, beautiful weather. And you could literally see as the plane got closer to Melbourne, this smoke haze and fog just everywhere, this brown, gross dust in the air that we're all breathing in. It's sobering to be walking through it and be constantly reminded of it. And if we're experiencing that, imagine the people who have had their lives and homes destroyed. Yeah, well, exactly. And I think 
think the one thing for us to remember on these mics and in this community is it's far from over. And I think it's very easy when something huge like this happens for it to feel overwhelming and everywhere to get fatigue, Mm -hmm. like to not feel as much as you did in the early stages. But I think it's just as important in the coming months that we do as much as we can, as much as we were doing as well in January. So that has been top of my mind. Otherwise, I think the best thing I consumed on the break was not even on the break, Michelle. It was the last week when we came back to work. I read it in about a day and a half. It was a book by the name of Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reid. I threw it to you once it was done so that you would start reading. Have you finished it? I am halfway through. I've had it for about, what, 24 hours? I love how I said, have you finished it as if you should have finished it by now. Oh my God. I I mean, I don't want to be hyperbolic. Boom, there we go. We already got it into the first episode of 2020. It's like, welcome to 2020. Welcome, hyperbolic. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but this might be the book of the year. This is a must read. When I was on the way home from Port Stevens, I went away there for a few days. I was at the airport and I picked this book up and I hadn't seen it before. And I looked at it and I put it back down and I picked something else up. And then I was scrolling through our um, Shameless Podcast book club group, which is the best book club group ever. I don't think there is a better book club out there. And I know, and I say this because we have no no power in it. Fuck Reese Witherspoon's book club, the Shameless book club is where it's at. Like, and I, I literally say that because we do nothing in there. It's everybody else's recommendations. Anyway, so I was scrolling through there and everyone's like, this is the book of the year. And I was like, fuck, I should have picked it up. So I went back to the bookshop the next day and bought it. For those who haven't heard of the book, it is, it's Kylie Reid's first ever debut novel. It's about a young black babysitter and her very white, very privileged family. It's a story about race and privilege. It is so, so subtle and smart. It's funny in a weird way. It like is it's one of the biting. few books that makes me laugh out loud. I was sitting on the plane next to you on Friday giggling at this book, which I haven't done with a book since I can remember. It's like the speech, the way that the characters speak, they all have such a distinct way of speaking and it really paints their character in a very, very brilliant way and you can picture them so beautifully. It it is not always an easy read, particularly if you're a white feminist, I think, but for that reason, it's a very important read. I I couldn't recommend this book more. Reese Witherspoon did pick it for her book club. So, you know, Reese Book Club, Shameless Book Club, you're welcome. (laughs) Buy this book. I couldn't recommend it more. How was your break? How was your week what have you got to say <laughs> I, ha- I I really echo the sentiment that you said about the break that it was quite difficult to get through and to see all the devastation that was caused I had a lovely time with family and friends don't get me wrong I had a lovely week in Byron Bay but it was a pretty chilly break which is kind of an unusual word to describe it because the country's on fire but it felt cold like some of the things that happened were really devastating in the last week though I know that I was only recently spruiking Adelaide to all the listeners who hadn't been there this podcast has given us the ability to travel around Australia and for that I am so grateful we were in Perth doing interviews for Love Etc which is our dating and relationship podcast series season two will be dropping on Valentine's Day this year but I fucking love Perth. I'd never been there before. We were staying in Cottesloe. I met a few of the listeners. So shout out to those girls who stopped me while they were in their bikinis. <laughs> nice to meet you. It was just brilliant. It is such a beautiful place to go. I can't believe I hadn't been there before. I have already planned to go back with my boyfriend, as have you, I believe. Well, I was already going, but you're just jumping on any of my holidays. It is such a great city. We should just become Tourism Australia ambassadors by this point because we come back from any city across Australia and think to ourselves, we're going back. The East Coast is great, but it's kind of overhyped. Why don't any of us get out and go to Adelaide and Perth? Anyway, I'm going to stop talking about that for a sec. My toilet broke and I somehow deleted my own domain address this week, which means I can't get into any of my work emails on my private address. So if you have been emailing me, I can't get 
get any new emails. I have spent hours, and you have watched me, Zara, trying to figure out, number one, how I deleted my domain name, and number two, how I can't read a single email and why none of them are coming through. It's pretty funny because it's like that person that posts on Facebook, hey, guys, lost my phone. If you need me, message me on Facebook. And everyone's like, I was never going to fucking message you anyway. <laughs> well, it's like I, I've reached out to so many people to try and help me with this, and everyone's like, how did you delete your domain name? I don't know. I think I had a panic this time four weeks ago when people started finding my old blog. So in a rush, I was like, fuck, I don't want people reading all of my old blog posts. They're so embarrassing. I deleted that blog and somehow deleted every other domain name I've ever registered before. So basically you're saying it's the listener's fault. It's the listener's fault and I desperately need someone's help. If you're listening to this and you know your way around email addresses and domain names, I am begging you. I will pay you. I will figure something out because I I need my email back. This is shameless. How dare you use our platform to find tech nerds? Can I also give two recommendations? You are so more than welcome. All right. I want everyone to go watch Marriage Story on Netflix. Have you seen it, Zara? No, but I actually am planning to watch it tonight. It's brilliant. It's a good one to watch with your partner or with your family, I reckon. It's with Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. I know Scarlett Johansson is problematic as a person. Also, haven't we gone back and forth about whether it's Scarlett Johansson or Johansson? Like <laughs> we will this, never decide. This feels like an OG shameless issue. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing changes. Scarlett Johansson is what I'm going to go for. Is that cool? You do you. She is a problematic person, but she's a brilliant actress. I can't take that away from her. When I watched her in this movie, I completely forgot all of the dumb shit that she has said well, recently. Well, naturally. I think that's the point of acting. <laughs> it's like what Scarlett Johansson just jumps on Marriage Story and spruits how the pay gap is not a thing. I don't actually think she did that, but that's fine. I think she said that she should play anything, including a tree. Yeah, yeah. She wants to play a tree. I really love Adam Driver as well. I think he is so sexy and I don't know if that's a commonly held view. I... I'm not sure about this. You just stumped me. I think he's really sexy. I think it's a great... I think that's a bandwagon thing to say. Really? I don't know. Is that a basic bitch thing to say? I think so. Like, it's so fine. But I think that's a basic bitch thing to say. And I wonder if people actually find Adam Driver sexy or if it's kind of like that... He's like the woke, dorky dude that people think they should find attractive because of the bandwagon, but do they actually? I wonder if Adam Driver would listen to this and just feel sad. Well, I wouldn't be sad (laughs) if everybody said I was the basic bitch bandwagon where I'm sexy. (laughs) I really want people to watch it. I think you would love Marriage Story if you come from a family that has gone through separation or divorce, which I have. I think it provides a really realistic, to be honest, insight into how marriages crumble and decay and all of the different things that can happen between two people when they go through that separation process. So it is a beautifully done, beautifully executed film and I think you should watch it either this weekend or during the weeknight with your partner, with a friend or whatever. Then go and watch The Circle on Netflix, a complete... 180 here which is the trashiest reality show I have ever watched perhaps even more so than Love Island and I want you to watch it with your girlfriends. So The Circle is a reality show where none of them are actually in the same house right? Yeah it's like a social media competition. And it sounds like the world's worst concept but this is like when Channel 10 floated Gogglebox and everyone was like and then everyone's like oh my god it's the best (laughs) thing ever. (laughs) It's really really brilliant and I think it speaks very closely to the dichotomy of the online virtual space and the real world which is actually a great segue, Zara, into our first segment today. Nikki Tutorials came out as transgender this week. She did, and this was a huge story. Like, for Nikki Tutorials, even though she is, what, arguably the biggest beauty YouTuber in the world? I would say of. she's top three, with my personal opinion. <laughs> Jeff- <laughs> Jeffree Star and James Charles and Nikki Tutorials would it's, be the top three. It's 2020 and we can't escape your goddamn ranking system. <laughs> yeah, she is the top three, but I do think it's such an interesting industry in that it is still quite separated or 
separate from the rest of the world mm. almost. Like a lot of people don't, wouldn't know who she is. And yet this story was on the BBC. It was on Sky News. It was such a big headline. Nikki Tutorials did come out on her YouTube, didn't she, Mish? But not because she wanted to and not because in that moment she felt like she had power to. She said she was being blackmailed and so she had to tell the world. Yes, and this is a huge deal, right? Nuki Tutorials has been massive on YouTube for 10 years. She began this when she was 16. She's now almost 26. She is Dutch. She has been the recipient of a Teen Choice Award. She is wildly, wildly popular. I think if you add together all of her social media presence, she has about 25 million people following her, which is just astounding. It's so many people. I think the other fact that I find really interesting about Nikki Tutorials that's been bandied around a lot is that she's been in this game longer than a few of the brands that she's collaborating with. Mm -hmm. Like she's got her feet very firmly lodged into this industry. She's a fixture of the makeup industry. She worked with Marc Jacobs last year to help design their makeup products. So she is one of the key forces deciding what we want and what we buy when it comes to makeup. I want to touch on what you said very, very briefly in passing before that despite her popularity on YouTube, despite her complete dominance in the beauty space online, heaps of people wouldn't be familiar with the name Nikki Tutorials. And I think the reason this person may have blackmailed her recently, I think the reason it has come out now is because Nikki Tutorials was recently on a Netflix series called Glow Up. It was a makeup competition. I watched the entire thing on my break. It's pretty good. Go watch it if you can be bothered. She featured on one of the episodes and I do wonder if something on Netflix to that scale where she's in the promotional ad would expose her to a subset of people who might have known her from a previous life and had no idea who she was now, seen that she was doing well and tried to exploit her for money. I'm really interested in the timing of this, that suddenly she's being blackmailed from someone from a past life who clearly knew that she transitioned at a young age when she was a teenager. They hadn't done it when she'd been big on YouTube. She goes to Netflix, something that opens up her doors to a whole group of new people, and it happens now. I do have to agree with you because I think there would be that many people who just wouldn't stumble on her Instagram page. I think particularly in an era of algorithms. Mm. Like I'm not seeing a bunch of beauty YouTubers on my Instagram page because they don't seek them out. Mm. So there would be a whole group of people who wouldn't even come into contact with her Instagram which sounds absurd considering how many followers she had but I think that's a pretty good theory it's a pretty astounding one though in 2020 for this to happen to one of the most powerful players in the beauty industry that she could be blackmailed to such a degree it's also really fucking sad it's disgusting it's really sad and I know that sounds like the world's most obvious point but it feels so so callous and so evil that somebody would want to do this that said I think the silver lining in this entire scenario is that when Nikki tutorials did come out generally the sentiment has been incredibly positive and I think that's a huge indictment on how generally progressive the beauty industry is in comparison to a lot of other industries because it is an industry where gender is far more blurred than any others. Gender is far more fluid. Absolutely. Well, think about the three names that I just pulled out before. We've got James Charles, a gay man who often dresses as a woman and refuses to define what that means. Jeffrey Starr, who is androgynous and also doesn't really use labels and definitely pushes our definitions of gender. Then we've got Nikki Tutorials, who has come out as transgender. So the top three people in the beauty space right now online are queer and I think that says a lot I think it's really important that these people have a collective subscriber count of 40 million 
people. That is crazy, crazy insane. I really loved reading the reaction from Nikki Tutorials on Twitter over the weekend. She said, I uploaded my video yesterday. I was expecting a lot of situations, but what happened last night was something I never, never would even dare to dream about. The incredible amount of love and support and warmth means so much to me. Thank you. I'm going to take today to just read everything, take it all in, process and be free. And I want to talk to you quickly before we move on, Zara, about that concept of being free because watching Nikki Tutorial's video really drove it home to me and I think drove it home to plenty of people that we don't let transgender women or men be free. This is something that Nikki Tutorial started going through at the tender age of 14 when she started being on hormone therapy. But even before that, at the age of six, when she said she began growing her hair out and that by age six, seven or eight, she was wearing female clothing. Like this is such an intrinsic part of her identity from the start. Yeah. And I, I hate, like, I'm so sad about the fact that Nikki Tutorials was fully transitioned at the age of 19. She fully dealt with this as early as she possibly could. She fully identified as a woman and she can never escape this secret or this thing from her past. Like she will always be expected to pull it back out. She will always be expected to explain it or talk about it or address it when she is always identified as a woman and we should allow her to just do that. But we don't. And transgender people carry this burden and this weight around with them their entire lives. And I just feel so much sympathy for anyone who has ever had questions over their gender identity or how they identify because that is horrific like I've never thought about that weight and how it just follows you from birth to death well I think it says a lot about how far we have to go if we're so desperate for people to reveal their past before we accept their present Mm -hmm. and I think there's a whole bunch of people out there particularly the people that blackmailed her who considered her a liar and someone that was intent on deceiving people. And I think that's the biggest problem of all is that we don't accept them as whole now. We have to accept them in the context of their past, which I think is the biggest mistake. I know that we said that largely people were very, very kind and warm and supportive about this. And Nikki Tutorial said it too. But her YouTube and Instagram actually grew by about 300,000 people in the 24 hours following its release, which means for all the darkness, there are bits of light. Thank you, next bitch. And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top-ish five <laughs> stories from the rough lay and tumble of the celebrity news cycle. Michelle Andrews, what have you got for me today? Oh, what have I got? Number one, Justin Bieber is posting photos of literal babies to promote his new song for some reason. That is from Pedestrian. What the fuck is going on? Did you see this? Yes, I... I feel unusual and I want to know. You feel unusual or this is unusual? This is unusual. So unusual. His his new song is called Yummy. And it sucks. It's really bad. And I say this from a place of deep Justin Bieber love. (laughs) I will listen to any of his new releases and love them. I don't care how basic they are. I don't care how overplayed on the radio they are. This is my least favourite Justin Bieber song perhaps of all time. Come into the Facebook group and challenge me on that. I think with this story in particular, he posted about 14 photos of like chubby fairly cute babies on his instagram feed. oh extremely cute okay, babies. i'm glad we're able to agree on that but he used the hashtag just yummy no context <laughs> around who the babies were where they came from or why they were yummy also i'm pretty sure this this song is about him having sex with Haley baldwin which makes it even worse i i don't even want to know what the song is about it makes me deeply uncomfortable have you googled the lyrics because i was sitting at dinner last night and i was like fuck it i'm gonna google the lyrics should i do it right do now? it and and talk them to me because they make <laughs> No sense. Oh, I'm going to feel really uncomfortable. Okay, I'm opening Justin Bieber yummy lyrics. <clears throat> Please. 
Yeah, you've got that yum, yum. No, you're singing it. Talk it to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just teach it to me. Oh, my God, I'm sweating. Yeah, you've got that yummy yum, that yummy yum, that yummy yummy. <laughs> yeah, you got that yummy yum, that yummy yum, that yummy yummy. Say the word on my way. Yeah, babe. Yeah, babe. Yeah, babe. Any night, any day. Yeah, babe. Yeah, babe. Am I an idiot? In the morning or late, say the word on my way. Bonafide stallion ain't in no stable no, you stay on the run. I just feel, ugh, it just I, don't like, know, I don't know what it means. Like it's it, definitely not about infants. Like absolutely <laughs> not about children not, under the age of 12 months. It's not about the children. <laughs> I don't understand. Like if your song is about sex or it's definitely ambiguous and you're leaving it up to the imagination of your listeners, why are you posting babies with the hashtag yummy? It I, feels gross. It feels like a little bit dark. Alas, <laughs> let's move on because I don't want to spend too much time thinking about why. Bit of a gear change here. Two, why Celeste Barber's bushfire fundraiser is more complicated than it seems. That is from the ABC, Zara. You and I discussed this a lot in a group chat with a couple of our friends over the break. It's a really interesting story. First and foremost, huge props to Celeste Barber for raising 51 million dollars for the bushfire efforts it is such a crazy 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 amount of money and such a stupidly positive indictment on her following and her engaged following and her influence and how much people respect her and how much she has built this career for herself online and used it for good like how many people use their platform for genuine good and Celeste Barber is one of those people like I applaud her I think everyone does she could be the prime minister for all I care I would love her to be prime minister so Celeste raised 51 million dollars for the trustee for the New South Wales Rural Fire Service and as I saw this fundraiser ballooning I think a lot of other people were thinking the same thing what happens if this all just goes to one central place when there are so many people who need money from this effort and halfway through the fundraiser she said don't worry guys don't worry guys we'll split the money we'll split the money we'll share it around we'll share it around but legally it's a very very difficult thing to do because I don't think she said in that video exactly where it was going and I think with any fundraiser as you can imagine if people are donating their money and are being told where it's going you can't then take that money and put it elsewhere yeah. no matter if you're still doing good and even if the people donating would technically be fine with that totally. they've donated to one particular charity it's very legally murky and troublesome to then decide on their behalf so there's been a few articles around trying to work out what can possibly be done with this money. There was a great explainer on the ABC that we will put in our show notes today. But basically in the ABC piece that we're talking about right now, there was a charity expert who said what could happen is the trust fund could spread the money around. So the New South Wales Trust could spread the money around, but they would need to shut it down once the money came through. So essentially what has to happen is the trust has to be shut down in order for the money to be spread. Yeah, and I've got to say this is kind of important because there is a huge discrepancy between the money raised for New South Wales charities and the money raised for Victorian charities and as much as Queensland and South Australia too yeah and as much as people are trying to remedy that it is a gaping chasm between the states so it is really important that this money goes where it's needed Celeste Barber only ever set out to raise $30,000 so I feel so much sympathy for her because she's done so much good number one she has taken on such a heavy burden she's probably being inundated with emails and messages and people who want her support and want her love and 
she didn't sign up for this. Like we've started fundraisers before Zara and we have developed this daunting sensation when they've gotten bigger than what we planned because then all of a sudden it's bringing questions about what charity did I pick? Why could I not pick two? Which you can't pick two when you do these things. You can only pick one. Yeah, very often you can't. And I think there's a huge amount of responsibility that comes with having people's money in an account and Mm. deciding where it goes. Especially at the biggest fundraiser in Facebook's history. $51 million is more money than any of us would be able to deal with really. So I think this is consuming a lot of her time though she seems very very passionate about it to her credit she seems like an amazing person genuinely yes so it will be really interesting to see how this happens if it's actually possible to wind up that that trust in order to spread the money around or how they're going to do it I feel like they will find a way though it's such a huge amount of money and I think it's such a cause that needs so much help across so many states that I do feel like they'll find a way I feel hopeful about it but it's not going to be easy absolutely my third story please for the love of god give me all of your thoughts on this because (laughs) I have been giggling over it for the last three days singer Akon has finalised plans to build a 2,000-acre city in Senegal that's powered by his cryptocurrency, A-Coin. That is from <laughs> Business Insider. Oh, my God, it's A-Coin with a K. Of course it's A-Coin with a K. <laughs> How amazing is this? He, Akon, I mean, is trying to build essentially a metropolis and he's trying to push A-Coin, his cryptocurrency, across Africa because he thinks that will help, uh, I guess, even the playing field and depoliticize money and finances and how different currencies operate throughout the region. Wait, so is this a funny story or a good story? I mean, it's it's part. I mean, it's hard because he sounds like he genuinely wants to do good with this. I believe the two thousand acres were given to him from the leader of Senegal, so that adds another dimension to this that there is political involvement going on. He seems like he has good intentions with this type of stuff, though. I wonder, does it matter if you have? purely good intentions sometimes the execution will require tons of work and tons of infrastructure and tons of input it's going to be a 10-year development so it's hard to know if this is a famous person with a huge ego who wants to sort of like save the world or Mm -hmm. if this is a famous person with a great idea who will be able to execute it I don't know I know we started giggling at the start but now I'm reading the story being like I don't know what the fuck to think I guess watch this space for a coin and a con all right my fourth story it is two headlines Zara because I couldn't pick they are both about Gigi Hadid who you call Gigi Hadid I'm going to call her Gigi I want you to tell me which one you like more and then we will discuss that headline. My first headline about Gigi Hadid. Okay, this is interesting. <laughs> Gigi. Gigi Hadid and Zayn Malik show they're fully back together during snuggly birthday date. That is from L. Or your second option, Gigi Hadid was called for jury duty at Harvey Weinstein's trial. That is also from L. What one are we going to discuss? Oh, you're so right. No, both. Both. Gigi, both. Oh, Gigi, both. I love that her and Zayn Malik are back together. Don't ask me why. I just like the look of them as a couple. They look good together. That's all I need to think. There's something about the nostalgia of old couples getting back together when they're famous. I I know. I don't know if they're the most perfect match, but I love that they're back together. I love that they're really trying. They must really love each other. Well, maybe Gigi's mum and Gigi's sister Bella are both over the moon about them getting back together. So that's a good sign. It always matters what your mum and your sister think. Wait, how do we know that they're over the moon? Apparently sources told someone. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently sources told someone. But haven't Gigi and Zane broken up multiple times before? This is like the third time we've got them back together. Yeah, it's the third time we know about as well. So it's Mm. the third time that they've told the entire world, which means there's probably another 12 times they've broken up behind closed doors. I mean, they wouldn't be the first millennial couple to have a little bit of like tumultuous (laughs) patches where they get together, break up, get together, all for it. Young love. The snuggling birthday date was cute, by the way. Okay, now (laughs) the second story though, Gigi did call for jury duty at Harvey Weinstein's trial. There were over 100 jurors being sort of assessed for this trial. I did see some tweets around as well that almost 30 would 
dismissed because they asked the jurors who had read Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow. Oh. And so many people put their hands up, so they had to go. Interesting. They were also, Gigi was also reportedly asked amongst the group if anyone had met the defendant and Gigi said she had and also a couple of the accusers too considering she moves around in these circles she posted some amazing Instagram stories before she realized that she was being called up for Harvey's trial I wonder if she'll make it I don't calling him Harvey now Harvey who cares it's Harvey Weinstein Monster Weinstein that's what I mean it's like Monster Weinstein (laughs) he's he's no person to me (laughs) but before she knew it was Harvey Weinstein's trial she posted these Instagram stories about being called up for jury duty talking about how excited she was to be part of it and I thought it was like quite quaint and quite wholesome to see someone so excited to be doing their civic duty. I really like Gigi Hadid. I fucking love Gigi Hadid. She might take over Carly Kloss. She's oh, as if we're still on Carly Kloss. Isn't she just involved with like the Republican Party now? No. Oh my God. She's married to a Trump. No, this is why you don't understand Carly Kloss. Well, she's married to Ivanka's something. She's a married to the brother of Ivanka's husband, but is like a Democrat and so is the husband. So they push against that family from within. Do it's- they actually push yes. against it though? She's spoken about it publicly. She's spoken about how hard that kind of awkward dynamic is. I you just feel like your addiction to Carly Kloss needs to kind of be wound I down. I feel like I feel like we need don't to- make comment on something you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, I don't know how we got to, oh, I don't know how we got to Carly. Fuck, we need to do a segment on Carly. Can We're never doing, we are never, ever, mark my words, we are never doing a segment on Carly Kloss. I'm going to run some kind of thing and I'm not going to think about it right now. But next episode, I'm going to come to some sort of agreement, right? That if we get to a certain amount of likes, if we get to a certain amount of demands or requests, we'll I've got do a one segment. for you. What? If Michael Bublé finally acknowledges that Fine. I am the reason Done. his perfume sales have gone through the fucking roof in 2019 and 2020. If he sends me an Instagram DM or if he comments on a shameless post or if he makes any kind of direct contact, Michael Bublé to Michelle Andrews, we can do a Carly Kloss segment. Done. I'm going to push. My, I'm, I'm going to call Michael Bublé's management. Anywho, I don't know how we got here. I just love Gigi Hadid and I also love Carly Kloss. I know you do. My fifth and final story for the first quick and dirty of 2020 why is Gwyneth Paltrow selling a candle that smells like her vagina? That is from The Guardian. Zara, please explain. So I have to say the headlines are funny but a little reductive. Like there's no fucking way Gwyneth Paltrow's selling a candle that smells like vagina. I'm pretty sure it smells like vagina-scented and Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina-scented, which would be like mango and vanilla and something else. Do you want to know the grossest explanation? Yeah, go. They said it smells like what you would imagine a really great smelling vagina would smell like, which is warm, which is the most <laughs> disgusting thing I've ever heard. I feel sick and that's the end of the quick and dirty. I th- well, I think it's like I think it's like cedar wood and stuff and then no, you buy well, okay. it. Okay, I don't want to get crude or into too much depth or detail here, but that's not a thing. Also, who wants to have a candle in their house that says, this candle smells like my vagina? That is just like, if my mum saw that or if any person I respect saw that in my house, I would feel so embarrassed. This sold out, by the way. It was a $75 candle that sold out way, way, way too quickly, which is a stunning indictment on Goop and how much people love (laughs) Gwyneth. I have a question for you. If any male celebrity could sell a candle that says, this candle smells like my penis. No one. I wouldn't buy it. I can tell you now, there would be one out there. No, there's not. Chris Hemsworth. No, no. I would I would buy a candle that smelt like Chris Hemsworth. Is this just like another beauty standard that women have to live up to? That like men's dicks are allowed to smell like whatever the fuck men smell like. Women's vaginas have to smell like scented candles. It well, just feels not, like another. I mean, I don't feel like it's a conversation we've had before. I do feel like it's a weird <laughs> like bar that Gwyneth Paltrow has set. Like I don't feel like it's a conversation we've had before now. <laughs> if Chris Hemsworth wants to release a candle based on his own scent, 
Can you imagine how much money that would make? Oh my God, Chris Hemsworth is probably not listening to this, but I'll call his management too once I get off the mic. That would be bananas. I'd take 5% for would the I idea. Would I any candle that smells like someone's dick? Because it's not, no, don't get off that. Get off the crude one. Let's go to celebrity scent. Who would you, yeah, but then we're talking about fragrances, right? No, candle. Maybe a Michael Bublé candle. <laughs> oh Michael Bublé, if you want to work together on a rose gold scented candle, I'm your gal. We could do a shameless candle what would it smell like should we do a scent like it would smell like (laughs) (laughs) feminism i was gonna say feminism and outrage and girl power (laughs) anger and positivity (laughs) fist in the air go girls (laughs) i hate us that's all for today quick and dirty bye Bye. (laughs) whenever you get awkward you just say bye out of nowhere Coming up after the break, why is the Duchess of Sussex being blamed for her family's exit from royal duties? Plus, where is the line when it comes to holding influencers to account and bullying them? But first, a word from today's wonderful sponsor. Oh my goodness. On the 9th of January, news that rocked the royal family broke that the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Harry and Meghan, would be becoming half royals. In a statement on Instagram, the couple announced that they and their son Archie are seeking financial independence from the monarchy's sovereign grant and would be dividing their time between the United Kingdom and North America. They also, importantly, will no longer participate in the traditional royal rota system, which stipulates that they must give media and royal correspondents access to aspects of their lives. Instead, Harry and Meghan will be leaning heavily towards privacy, a sense of normalcy and a sense of independence at arm's length from the palace. Zara, what did you make of it all? Which is a huge question because it's massive, massive news. I have to admit, embarrassingly admit, when I woke up on the morning of the 9th of January and I opened (laughs) my phone and I saw this news, I actually think I yelped. Like I think I yelped. Like a yelp or like a whoop? Like that. <laughs> Is that a yelp? I would call that uh, an excited... I would call that a squeal. Do you think that's a woo? I think that's a squeal. It's a woo girl squeal. Yeah, maybe. What did Ollie think of your woo girl squeal? Well, then I had to explain why and then I had to explain that it was that Harry and Meghan left the royal family and to his credit, he pretended to care for he about 10 interest. minutes. He really, really did. I was more excited than I should be. I know the royal family is deeply flawed. I know that it has its issues, but that said, I am incredibly invested in the people around it and probably more than you. I am really interested in the dynamics of the royal family, their relationship with the media. And I've been very, very interested in Harry and Meghan pushing back on that over the course of the last sort of six to 12 months. I was surprised. I was really, really surprised that they were they were even allowed to do this. Well, I think that's where my interest stems from too, in that I'm not a royal fan. I don't really care about the royal family, but I care deeply about this story because it's about them exiting. I consider the palace to be a really outdated, pretty yuck in institution to be brutally honest it's archaic in my view so for these two to say you know what we're done and wipe their hands clean mostly of the royal family is invigorating I think it's really interesting particularly because Kate and Will and Harry and Meghan have been touted as the ones who can reinvent the royal family who can modernize Mm. the royal family I find the timing of this story though the most interesting interesting thing of all I deep dive Lainey Gossip as we're prepping for this segment and for those who don't know who Lainey Gossip is she's a sort of celebrity and gossip writer, but I think she's definitely the smartest one that exists on the internet. Like she is brilliant. Razor sharp. 
razor, razor sharp with amazing sources and amazing connections in the industry. So on the 9th of January, just before Meghan and Harry announced this news, I don't know if you're across the actual timing of this announcement, Mish, there was a story that appeared in The Sun, the UK's biggest tabloid newspaper, that said Meghan and Harry had returned from a six-week holiday in Canada and would be moving there. The story was written by a journalist called Dan Wooten. Dan Wooten is reportedly very good friends with Will and Kate's press secretary. So the questions that are coming out now that were existing on Laney Gossip in particular was the idea that perhaps Harry and Meghan's hand were forced to announce it so quickly because you know once they announced it everybody was like this is very interesting because Buckingham Palace and the Queen weren't really across the fact that mm. they were going rogue right now and it kind of was painted as the fact that they've just gone wild, they've gone rogue, they've released it to the public so they can just quit on demand. Another perspective on this is that their hand was forced by this story in the sun and that's why the Queen only had about 15 minutes notice. Wow. And it does seem interesting that they would drop this on Kate's birthday. I know that there's always going to be an inconvenient date, but it does feel strange that you drop a story like this as big as this on Kate's birthday. So I do wonder if this story was leaked from inside the camp to the sun before it had actually happened because there was a bit of anger simmering. Dan Wooten as well, go back through his pieces and what he writes about. He often writes about the royal family and he often can predict what's going to happen because he is so well connected. I really highly recommend you guys look up his name and read his stories because as far as celebrity gossip goes, he is very much hitting the nail on the head again and again and again. Well, someone's leaking to him and someone's leaking to him that knows what's going on. And there are only so many people in that family that were going to have known about what was happening. I want to talk to you now about the hashtag Megxit and the idea that Meghan Markle is to blame for this split from the royal family and that she is this kind of conniving evil woman who has wanted to get Harry out of the royal family from the very, very start. I want to run you through the exhaustive list of everything Meghan has supposedly done wrong in the public eye because I went through, I made a list of all the reasons that we're supposed to hate her, according to the Daily Mail and the like. So the first thing was that she comes from a messy family, like many of us do, and one where things can be fractious when you peek behind the curtain. She eats avocados, which is not ideal, apparently. Her choice of wedding flowers has been linked to allergies. She announced her pregnancy in Baby Loss Awareness Week, despite the fact that there had been rumours and close-up photos of her belly for weeks, and holding off longer would have meant her staying indoors or submitting herself to more intense scrutiny over her body. She touched her baby bump too much. She didn't put on a fancy dress and full face of makeup within 12 hours of giving birth like Kate did. She had renovations done on her home at taxpayer cost and copped plenty of flack for that, despite the fact that the residents had been earmarked for renovations for years. She didn't tell us who her baby's godparents were. She dared to guest edit Vogue magazine to platform some of the world's most inspirational women and yet didn't include the Queen because apparently she should have to be there. And finally, most importantly, she dared to be black in a castle where people in charge have only ever been white. It's a pretty astounding and terrible list. I think when it comes to Harry and Meghan, so much of the commentary around them is that they are so out of reach and so incredibly privileged that nothing they ever complain about can ever be seen as legitimate because we cannot possibly relate to it. But I'm finding myself in a space now where I think that those two would go through far more than I would ever go through in my life. Like they would have far more difficulties than I would have right now. And I know that sounds overly earnest, but I think just because there is this perception of privilege or there is privilege there doesn't mean that there are other things that could hit them quite 
hard. Yeah, and if you don't think that this has anything to do with race, I really encourage you to look up the articles, and there are many now, that compare the headlines about Kate to the headlines about Meghan Markle because in the exact same situations, I'm talking even about holding their baby bumps, the articles that came out about Kate were so glowing and positive and encouraging and the articles that came about Meghan Markle were always cynical. We have been so cynical of this person since the moment she tried to step into the royal family. We have always tried to nitpick and find the negative angle on anything that she does. And if you don't think that's related to race, I'm really curious as to why. What else separates these two women and why are we so suspicious of everything Meghan Markle does? Yeah, it's that suspicion that's that's pretty pervasive, isn't it? I think the sexism here is astounding. Like even when you just touched on that colloquial term being thrown around about the move, Mexit rather than Sussexit. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like we choose these terms very, very deliberately. They're really is this sense that she is the one pulling him away that she is the one in control and it plays so much into this trope of the difficult woman the controlling partner and I think it hurts us all for us to portray her like that you know what it reminds me of and this was another connection that was picked up in lots of think pieces which I really appreciated there's a great one in Rendezvous by Kathy McCabe which I really encourage you guys to read I'll put it in the show notes it's this idea of the conniving sneaky manipulative woman coming in and breaking up an important masculine yeah. Institution. So the connection is between Meghan Markle breaking up the royal family and Yoko Ono breaking up the Beatles. And I think this is a really important one. The idea that these awful women can corrupt their innocent men as if, for example, with Yoko Ono, the idea that the Beatles weren't going to disband before she came along when Paul McCartney is on record saying that they were always planning to disband. It was always on the cards before she came along. It's as if Harry hadn't been discontent and disenfranchised with the palace and the royal family that effectively claimed his own mother's life and that Meghan Markle swanned in and suddenly rearranged all his ideas. It's just this idea that women don't seem to have any power in society until it's evilly corrupting the men around them. It's so true though. I think there is this sense that she's suddenly pulled him away from the people and the things that he loved the most but the writing was on the wall and I think a really interesting way to look at it right now is that is Harry pulling away from maybe the people around him and the palace because of Meghan or is he finally be given a taste of life outside the monarchy of operating outside the same rich white circles that he's always been a part of did she just open his perspective rather than control his worldview that's such a good point and I wonder if the timing of this has anything to do with the fact that the palace clearly cares more about its own reputation and its public image than the fact that one of its own princes, Prince Andrew, chose to befriend pedophiles and sex offenders and nothing was done about it. There was no real condemnation. Everything was swept under the rug and we all kept living life as is. Well, I find it also very, very, very interesting that Harry did a public appearance with the World Cup after this was all announced, after they had their big meeting at Sandringham. And it is reportedly perhaps one of the last public appearances he'll do as a senior part of the royal family for some time. And there was an interesting point on Lainey Gossip that when he appeared, and Meghan wasn't there, she was back in Canada with Archie, when he appeared with his family, that royal rota of press was still deliberately there, even though Harry is suing one of them. So Lainey Gossip wrote on her site, one of the things the Duke and Duchess of Sussex have announced that as part of their royal step back, they will no longer be cooperating with the royal rota.
Twitter. Sussex, it means that Harry and Meghan are free to manage their media how they want, but for the British royals, they're upholding the status quo. And not only that, they'll even do so even over his objections in his face. They will continue to work with them even though Harry must have pointed out to them that these are the same publications he and his wife are suing for their racist coverage. Don't think for a second that they wouldn't have known how that would play with Harry, especially today. And don't think for a second that it wouldn't exacerbate how he's been feeling about the whole mess. I just, I don't blame him or Megan for wanting to leave that fucked up place. And it is so fucked up. Like the fact that this is how they've been treated and this is how the family chooses to, what, save face or play to the media instead of protecting their own. It's just beyond comprehension. I don't understand any of it. And I'm so unsurprised that they would want to get out. The institution feels like a ticking time bomb. And maybe people have said that for decades. But I think now when the two people who are meant to salvage the entire institution are quitting it, I wonder how much time they've got left or how much patience the public has left. I've got to say as well, I'm also growing so tired of the financial arguments that Meghan Markle's haters, and I'll call them haters. I know that's an annoying word to use, but they're that. There's no other word for it. I hate that they keep wheeling out this financial argument of, oh, well, we renovated her Frogmore cottage at $2 million to the taxpayer, or we paid $30 million for her wedding. Do they have any idea how much money the royal family and that wedding injected into the British economy? Because it was hundreds of millions. So don't wheel out some bullshit, unresearched, uncritical opinion about finances and the royal family when the royal family is a gem in that country's economy. Yeah and I think the comparison too between Kate and Meghan that we touched on much earlier like if you're going to criticise one for one then criticise the other for the other. I do want to finish this segment with a great Yoko Ono quote that I did find in that rendezvous story that I quoted before. I think this says a lot about women who are put in this place and typecast in the way that Yoko Ono and Meghan Markle have been. I'm starting to understand something interesting, Yoko Ono said in 2013. If all those people hadn't bashed me, what would I be doing right now? What I am now was made by all those terrible incidents. I thought it was terrible all those years, but when I think about it now, I realise it was a blessing. In case you missed it, over the break, the team here at Shameless launched iPledge, a campaign urging Australian women towards sun safety. Our core message is simple. We must push back against the widespread glamorisation of tanning on Instagram if we want to reverse statistics that indicate melanoma is the most common cancer among Australians aged between 15 and 39. To do that, we actually started calling out individual brands and influencers who are profiting off a toxic tanning culture. In response, some people applauded, but some also grimaced, uncomfortable with the directness of our approach and labelled what we were doing as bullying. Mish, what did you make of it all? Let's reflect. I don't think I'm surprised by this one either because I think often online we tend to flatten things. And often in feminist circles, particularly third wave feminist circles, I think, we tend to downplay any kind of critical thinking or criticism of women as woman hating. And we've discussed this on the podcast before, Zara. Many times. Yeah, many, many times. And that it's really hard as a feminist to think critically or speak critically about another woman because we're so reductive about that process. But I really, really strongly push back on the idea that you cannot critique a woman. You can critique a woman. I think it's actually so 
wholeheartedly important that we critique women, particularly when the information and the message they're putting out is hurting other women en masse. Well, it's that classic case of women supporting women, right? You know that tagline's thrown around particularly on Instagram because you, as you say, Instagram does flatten things and there is this sense that we should support all women. But I think if you're supporting a woman who is damaging other women, who are you supporting in that context and in that scenario? And I think that's the thing we always come back to. I think there wasn't a huge amount of backlash, but there was enough for us to ask ourselves a few questions. I think firstly, why do people feel so sensitive about tanning culture? And for me, I think that took me by surprise because I thought it was pretty cut and dry that even though people might tan generally, most people know that it's a dangerous thing to do. And whether or not it's a personal thing you choose to do in the privacy of your own home, I think generally people know it's a dangerous thing to do. I think there's a lot of cognitive dissonance going on with suntanning, well, exactly. Right? Because even I, when I was 18 or 20 or 21, knew that suntanning left me at risk of melanoma, but I still did it. I've always known and yet I've always done it. And I think the point about this campaign in particular is an idea that you or I are not above this. Like we've been prolific tanners in the past and it's probably why we're so passionate about it because we've done the wrong thing for such a long time and now that we've found ourselves in this job and with this community we want to change our behavior and let's hold ourselves to account by holding other people to account too I did want to mull over that question of why people were so sensitive about it and I have been mulling over that question of why people are so sensitive about it because people weren't just sensitive about us calling out tanning culture but also us calling out people who are endorsing dangerous products and I do wonder if it comes down to this I do feel like we're living in a world right now that is getting smarter and more thoughtful which means that many of the habits we once had are going to be pushed back on it's happening a lot like should I be eating meat am I doing everything I can for the environment are my clothing choices okay and I think by virtue of how aggressive some of those conversations are we now take everything personally as if if I do that thing that someone else deems bad or if I tan or if I go to the races will people think I'm a fundamentally bad person is this a judgment on my entire value system So some of the current commentary was just let me tan. I'm not doing anything wrong and you're not strictly doing anything wrong for the world. But I think we're talking about the glamorization of tanning. And I think people took this conversation quite personally if they are a tanner, which we have been for years. Yeah. And I think there's also different levels of responsibility on different individual people based on their followings. And that might sound unfair to you, but that has to be the case. With great power comes great responsibility. And if we call out one influencer who is speaking to a million people, That's important. If you want to put up a post of you tanning to your 78 Instagram followers, I care far less about that. I don't love it and I don't want you to do it, but it's up to you. I care far less about it than what someone with 1.4 million followers does. I think the impact needs to be really considered here. I don't think any of it's good, but it's all on a sliding scale and we have to hold influencers to account because if we don't, Who else is going to? This has been such an unregulated space for so long. It's how we got ourselves in the situation where influencers were telling 14 and 15-year-old girls to drink diet teas and shit themselves, to be brutally honest. I bought diet teas as a young girl. I bought tanning oils as a young girl. And we need to push back on these influencers. I think we totally underestimate the power that they have. I have a stat that I want to run past you, Zara. I went through, there was one influencer that we called out. She has 1.4 million followers. And I want to depict what her power is as an individual person. So an Instagram influencer with 1.4 million followers
followers who chooses to promote tanning oils and accelerators has a greater social media following than InStyle Australia magazine, Marie Claire Australia, Vogue Australia and Harper's Bazaar Australia combined. She has a greater following and a greater reach. We have always cared deeply about the messages that publications, magazines, online journals put out to young women. We should also care deeply about the messages that influencers put out to. Yes, she's a person. Yes, she's fallible. That doesn't excuse her putting out toxic messaging. Well, there's a couple of things to think about here and I think power is the biggest one. How do we make any change at all if we can't hold anyone to account ever? If the people who are pushing dangerous messages aren't forced to actually consider their actions. Like what happens then? Why do we think that they are above our consideration when they do have exactly as you say, a bigger combined following than some of the biggest female media outlets in the country? The other thing I think I want to touch on here is absolutely there's a way to do it. There's a way to do it respectfully. Nobody is saying that in the pursuit of pushing back on tanning culture that we can't do it in a respectful, gentle, positive way. I think respectful conversations are crucial. It's not bullying to respectfully tell somebody that what they're doing is harming millions and millions of people. How do we make any progress, any progress at all, if we can't A, disagree with each other and B, critique each other? Absolutely, guys. And please know that we will always infuse our critique with respect and kindness. We always want to deal in fact. And that's why we keep wheeling out the statistic that melanoma is the most common cancer among young Australians aged between 15 and 39. If you are the majority of shameless listeners, this applies to you directly. One Australian dies from melanoma every five hours hours. I think we really need to keep that stat in mind when we think about these images. And while I totally appreciate that an influencer seeing us share these kind of facts across her image where she is instructing her followers to suntan might be really, really difficult and it might make someone's day a little bit shitty. We also kind of need to shift our priorities. I'm just a little bit confused. Are we more concerned that one influencer is being faced with the reality of her choices Or does our concern lie with the hundreds of thousands of women who logged onto Instagram that particular day to be told they can and should be behaving in a way that leaves them vulnerable to skin cancer? Because to be honest, I know where my concern lies. I know who I'm more concerned about there. I did want to ask you if you think that the mainstream media don't take not just Instagram influencers and their power seriously, but also Instagram brands and their power seriously, if you'd put any of it down to sexism. Because I think that when we started this podcast, what we wanted to do, and it wasn't like the first aim, but it came pretty quickly in the first few weeks that we started it, was hold Instagram influencers to account because we felt like the mainstream media didn't take them seriously because they were frivolous females online and therefore didn't take their power seriously or their dangerous messaging seriously. And I wonder if the same thing kind of applies to Instagram brands here that boldly get away with calling their own tanning oils safe. And that's a direct quote. If that because the brand was born from Instagram, they're therefore less credible or less legitimate and a female product that therefore matters less. And I don't know if that's too much of a reach, but I do kind of think that there is grains of truth in that, that we don't take it seriously by virtue of where it's sort of been created. I think so. I think we downplay Instagram as silly girls business. Yeah. Silly influencers with their lip gloss or their fashion labels or whatever. We don't take it seriously. At least adults, like proper adults, I'm talking like 40 plus adults, (laughs) don't take us seriously. Don't take what's happening on Instagram seriously. And what I'm 
concerned about with Instagram is that we've already had so many dangerous products proliferated on there. And we've already gotten ourselves in situations with things like diet teas that I raised before that have had such gross, awful consequences for young girls. And I just, I don't know the way out because I don't know how to make people see this seriously. And I think even some of the people in our community don't take it seriously enough. But this is a problem for women, particularly women with their body image. And I'm not going to apologise for trying to ask influencers to do better and be better. Influencers have one basic KPI that we always come back to, which is do no harm. I see this as doing harm. It's doing heaps of harm. Absolutely. I also see brands like the Foxtan telling people that their products, like you said, are safe to use in sunbeds or the sun for all skin types, including our pale skinned babes, as so dangerous and so harmful and I don't know how it keeps happening I don't even know and I've done my research on this I've done articles on this in the past I've spoken to experts in the past I'm still not clear on who is responsible or who this falls to to regulate Instagram and that's concerning well I think it harps back to that thing that I touched on just before and that the mainstream media doesn't take Instagram influencers seriously so therefore they likely don't take Instagram brands very seriously when all of these things are very legitimate and very credible because they have power I also want to add for the people who say why don't you dm these influencers why don't you give them the benefit of the doubt a couple of things we have been dming influencers i've been blocked on my personal account by a range of influencers this summer we have tried it is a little bit naive to think that just because you dm an influencer who's pocketing a huge amount of cash for promoting a tanning oil that she will turn around and go you're right i'm probably not doing the right thing i need to stop In reality, people only stop when there's public pressure on them to stop. And that sucks, but it's just the reality. And if we need to do that, I will stand by it. We had a listener who reached out to us this week who had an eight centimetre tumour removed from her back because she got a skin check because of eye pledge. And if that's what's going to happen, I will 100% be a little bit forthcoming with the facts to help people like that. I know it's not the easiest way, but sometimes change requires discomfort and it's essential in this circumstance. Yeah, I think it absolutely requires discomfort. And so long as these kinds of conversations are done and are infused with respect, then I think we can create a heap of change together. We promise to use the facts. We promise to be as impartial as possible and not make character judgments based on this. But we also promise to have women's backs. And I think that necessitates calling people out when they're doing something harmful. There you go, women supporting women. That (laughs) basic tagline. Which I think that might be all we have time for today. It absolutely is. Thank you so much for joining us for our first episode of Shameless in 2020. We are so thrilled to have you and we can't wait to tell you everything we have in store Zara because there is something coming in 2020 that I am bubbling with excitement over. Yeah that we've clickbaited for about two years if we haven't been doing this for two years. It is so wonderful to be back. It is so wonderful to be using my brain again. I feel like it died a little bit over the last three weeks so it's good to be here. Guys as always we are on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. We are in the Facebook group Shameless Podcast community. We are also in our book club sometimes with the world's best book recommendations. No hyperbole. That is Shameless podcast book club if you love reading and want some good recommendations for summer i know we just asked a bunch of you but let me ask for one more thing the number one way to support shameless and the team here and us as independent podcasters is to click subscribe if you're on apple Podcasts or click follow if you're on spotify that pushes us up the feeds and it helps people find us and as independent podcasters zara that means the actual world it does mean a lot we will be back in your ears on thursday for a very special in conversation so Get ready for that one. Bye. (laughs) Hello, guys. Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. 
Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.